So for me, I was, I was saved in college. And I, I shared this a couple of times, but for me, I, um, I, can, I can point out kind of the exact time of, of when I was saved. Uh, and it was during my uh, summer of my, between my freshman and sophomore year of college. Um, and for me, whenever I think about that time, I have to uh, wrestle with kind of how to express what happened. I was actually talking to one of my brothers, one of the members here a couple of days ago, and we were talking about like kind of when you were saved, like when was the exact moment, and we were trying to go back and forth, trying to discuss that, and it made me actually really think about kind of my own, like when, when, how can I really say that that was when I was saved? You know, like what, what makes me so sure that that was the moment I was saved? And for me, as I thought about it, I think one of the best ways for me to express it in my life is that, is really simple, is that Jesus stopped being a concept and became a reality. Now, what's the difference between a concept and a reality? When Jesus was a, con- when Jesus was a concept for me, uh, I understood him in my mind, but he was always lighter. He was always kind of smaller than me. He was shaped around my life. He was shaped around my beliefs. He was shaped around my patterns. He moved around me. But the moment when Jesus became a reality in my life, it felt like everything began pointing towards him. My habits changed, not for any other reason than because it started to revolve around him. My actions changed. My thoughts began to change. My behavior started to change. Because all of those things started to be based on what Jesus did for me. And for me, this is just, I think, the best way that I can describe the moment I was saved. And I think when it comes to something like the death of Jesus Christ, I think for a lot of people, that's not too hard to believe in. That's not too hard to really understand. Because back then, crucifixions, they weren't super uncommon. But for a lot of us, maybe many of us, maybe most of us, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is just too unbelievable. But if you don't believe this, then I guarantee you that Jesus will always just be a concept for you. If you don't believe this, then your life will never change. Your words and your actions, your beliefs, will always be the exact same. So church, are you willing to make Jesus your reality? And it's scary. It's scary. Because it's just something that seems so unbelievable. And yet, what we're going to see is that to truly believe in the reality of Jesus, it needs to start and it needs to end with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You see, in this passage, Jesus had died. And the disciples were talking about what to do next. And there were rumors that people had seen someone like Jesus. And so the disciples had gathered together and they were just talking about it. And all of a sudden, it says here that Jesus walks up to them. 
shows them his hands and feet, and asks for something to eat. You know, scholars have said that if his followers wanted to make up a story about the resurrection, that this is not how you do it. <laughs> that this is exactly the opposite of how you would do it. In fact, they said, because of how it's written here, it makes it even more plausible that it's true. And so even for me, when I was thinking about this and I was kind of studying this, do you remember the scene in Lord of the Rings when uh, <laughs> Gandalf the Grey fights Balrog, the Balrog, right, the, the demon thing? And they go out and they go down to like the depths of whatever and, and people think he's dead. And then he, but then he comes back and, he's, and it's the first scene where he shows himself to the fellowship, right? What, what's that? Do you guys remember that picture? I mean, it's a long time ago, I know. But what? It's, it's this bright light appears. And you see him coming with his face glowing, his eyes super peaceful, leaning on a staff, his, his clothes completely white, unwrinkled, no stains, right? When you think about someone coming back, from the dead. When you think about someone really, after all that's happened, coming back and showing himself to his disciples, I imagine a picture like that. Something pretty glorious just happening in that way. And yet, what do we see? You see, if you're bringing back Jesus from the dead, if this is supposed to be the absolute pinnacle of Christian history, not even Christian history, world history, what happens? The disciples, they're just talking together. And Jesus, he goes up to them and says, hey, you guys, I'm kind of hungry. Can you give me some food? How absolutely strange is that? It is such a weird way of Jesus introducing himself back into this world. And it's such a weird way of coming back after the greatest event in the history of the world. But do you see that because it's true, it happened in such a mundane, ordinary way? That we think of stories and myths and legends and movies, and yet this is not any of those things. This is true that we don't need to base it on some other legend that we think of in the future because we believe that this is 100% true and we can see that it's happened here. That if this really did happen, then it happened in the ordinary. And that's the definition of our God, is that he is an extraordinary God that works through the ordinary things. And we see this again and again, and even in the greatest event in all of history, he shows himself again to be working in the ordinary. Do you have something to eat? 1 John 1, 1, it says, that which we have heard, that which we have seen with our eyes, that, we, that which we looked upon and touched with our hands, him we proclaim Jesus Christ. What the Bible is saying is that you can either believe that that they had really seen him. That you can either believe that the, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, Christ is really true, or you can simply walk away. But don't, please don't try to make the resurrection purely symbolic or something kind of only spiritual. You see, 
the Bible doesn't give us that option here. Either you believe that it happened and it was 100% real, or you don't. And my brothers and sisters, this is the way that our faith is always going to be. The more God works in your heart, the more you're going to feel uneasy because everything inside of you is screaming to stay in the middle. It's screaming for you to not commit. And yet when it comes to Jesus Christ, when it comes to all that Jesus says here, he never gives us that option to stay in the middle. There is no word in the Bible that talks about taming his words. There's no word and there's no place in the Bible that ever talks about how we can stay in between. That we can have one foot in the world and one foot with Jesus. He always tells us again and again, you have to choose. And yet the world continually says, no, no, you stay in the middle. You stay where you are. Don't commit, don't commit, don't commit. Look, this is one of the most fantastic, one of the greatest events in the history of the world. That Jesus died for our sins and yet defeated death and rose again. And now the question is up to you. Now the question goes to you. Do you believe this or do you reject it? So, Jesus, he appears to the disciples. And it says that they were amazed and full of joy. So the first thing that Jesus does with his closest friends after coming back from the dead is that he eats fish with them. That's what he does. Now, this is significantly important. Now, what's important is to know that in our generation, Eating has become such an afterthought. It's become secondary. It's become something that we have to fit in in between our work schedules, in between other, other, in between other things. And yet, for those back then, eating with someone was much more than just a meal. It was inviting them into friendship. It was forming a relationship with them. Jesus eating with them, it was a sign of intimacy. It was a sign of closeness. You see, everyone here thought that Jesus was dead. And when you're dead, guess what? You're dead forever. And so my guess is that during the few days that Jesus was in the tomb, the disciples, they were gathering a lot. They were gathering together. And what they were probably doing is probably reminiscing and thinking about all the times that they had with Jesus. You know, when my grandfather passed away, uh, my, my grandmother, she gave me a few of his things. And one of the things that she gave me was his cardigan. It's just a, a, a type of sweater, right? And so um, for me, I, I got it sometime last year, and I was, every time I wear it, right, I, I think of him. Um, and... Whenever I even look at myself in the mirror with it on, I, it reminds me of the person, of the man that he was. 
The disciples were looking back on Jesus' life here. And they were remembering the life of a man that was no longer with them. But what Jesus does is so strange. He walks into their lives, shows them that he's real, and eats with them. He's saying that, look, you don't need to just remember me. You don't need to just reminisce and think about who I was in the past. You can have me now. You can have me today. I'm here right now. And I'm eating with you right now. I'm here to find that relationship with you today. And you see, that's why the tomb is barely mentioned. Do you, isn't that strange? That the tomb itself, we barely ever read about it in the Gospels, and that's why even today, we don't even know where the tomb is. Think about it. For, for the most important people, we have the most ornate graves possible. The pharaohs have the pyramids, and for even the presidents, we know exactly where they're buried. And yet, for some strange reason, we have no idea where Jesus' tomb is. You would think that for one of the greatest leaders, a man who is loved by many, that he would have a special grave. So the question is, why don't we? Why don't we? You see, the cardigan that my grandfather wore is important to me. It's extremely important to me. Not for any other reason than because it is the one thing I have to remember him by. I will always make sure it's in the best condition possible. I will always make sure that it is dry cleaned. I will always make sure that it is clean. I always know where it is. Now, in my closet, I also have a sweater that my brother gave me. Now, that sweater, I don't really care too much what I do with it. I work out in it. I eat with it on. I do whatever. I run with it. I, I sometimes throw in the laundry. Sometimes I kind of forget and throw it on the floor. That's what I do with that sweater. Why? Because I have my brother. I have my brother. I don't have to really care about his clothes too much because he's here and I can talk to him whenever I want. I can go see him whenever I want. But you see, I don't have my grandfather. So his cardigan matters more to me. Why don't we know where the tomb of Jesus is? Because it doesn't matter. If you have the person, you don't care about his things. Jesus was resurrected from the dead and he ate with his disciples. He died for you and for me. And he's here now and he wants a relationship with you. And so who cares about where his tomb is? It doesn't matter about where his tomb is. It matters that we can sit down and eat with him today. Look, the resurrection, it means everything. It means that we don't need to just remember or reminisce. It means that we don't have to think about just where the tomb is or where his clothes were or anything like that. It means that we can have him. 
But I know that for a lot of us, this belief, is just, it just hasn't clicked yet. And we're still searching for something. And for a lot of us, I think we know that there's something missing in this world and that there's something that doesn't feel completely right. And it becomes even more obvious when we go through one bad thing after another, one injustice after another. Even this yesterday or to this morning in Sri Lanka, we got one of the worst terrorist attacks in the history of his nation, where it targeted a bunch of different churches. I mean, how terrible. Even and then a few weeks ago, a few months ago, we talked about New Zealand. I mean, again and again and again, we see injustice after injustice with people who simply want to praise the Lord, who simply want to go after the Lord, and yet again and again, we see hurt after hurt after hurt. And for many of us, we just cannot wrap our heads around what's happening. And so we begin to question, and we begin to wonder. But what we see in this passage is that the resurrection shows us that pain and hardship, it doesn't ruin us. In fact, it's the opposite. It saves us. In verse 40, Jesus, he comes up to the disciples and shows them his hands and his feet, and it says that they looked at him with joy and amazement. Why didn't Jesus just tell them to look at his face? Why would he point them towards the nail marks in his hands and feet. You see, in the Bible, there's one of my favorite stories is the story of Joseph. He was the youngest of his brothers, and he was, a, he was this child who was so prideful. But in his life, he goes through the worst injustices you could ever face. He was sold into slavery, slavery falsely accused, thrown into prison, forgotten for years. But then in the very depths of his loneliness and confusion, God speaks to him. And we see that every single injustice, that every single pain that he had to go through wasn't random and it wasn't an accident. They were all leading him to this one point where he was able to deliver the country. The hurt that he experienced ended up becoming the path to ultimate joy. Why did Jesus show the disciples the nails in his hands and feet? You see, for his entire ministry, the disciples thought that Jesus was going to conquer the world. They thought that he was going to be this knight in shining armor who is going to take over every place. And they thought that if, as long as they tagged along beside him, that they would have a place in heaven next to him. And so they were excited for that. But the moment they saw those nails go through his hands, the moment they saw the nails go through his feet, their lives were over. They thought their lives were ruined. But Jesus, he goes up to them and he says, look at these nail marks. You see, these, these didn't ruin your life. They're here to save your life. Brothers and sisters, the resurrection doesn't make us forget our troubles. It's not going to stop cancer 
is not going to stop death, is not going to stop the hardships that are going to happen in your life. But what the resurrection does is it turns those things into your joy. The resurrection of Jesus, it happened because of the pain that he went through, not in spite of it. Our hope doesn't end in this world and your joy isn't set in this world. Our hope rests in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's why there's nothing in this world that can shake us. And that's why, man, Satan, he can do everything he can to ruin our lives. And yet again and again we can say, you know what? You can try to ruin it. But my life is already saved. Do you believe this? Because if you do, then the resurrection, it becomes the end of your life, but it also becomes the beginning of your life. And I'm going to explain what that means. It becomes the end of your life because if you believe in the resurrection, then brothers and sisters, there's nothing in this world that controls you. There is nothing in this world that has power over you. When we're younger, we believe that this world has everything it can offer us. That I'm sure when we were younger, we believed that, man, we want to be absolutely everything. And yet, as we get older, there are certain realities that happen. There is something bad that happens in your life. And so we begin to realize that what we wanted will actually never happen. And so, for a lot of us, we fall into depression, regret, and hopelessness. But brothers and sisters, what if the resurrection is true? What if it is really what you base your life upon? That means that even when the worst things happen to you in this world, that there is going to be a place where you'll be in complete joy and happiness with God who is completely and utterly in love with you. There is nothing that you are ever going to regret because you believe in a God who has power over everything who has power over even the worst parts of your life. And you know that even at the end, that he has conquered death, and therefore he knows that you will conquer death as well. Look, if you lose something here, so what? If you have to give up your money to serve someone else, then so what? Good. If something, if something terrible happens to you, then it's okay. Because you know that those things aren't the end of you. Because you know that your end is not in this world. Your end doesn't stop when you die. It only begins. And you see, if you believe that the resurrection is true, then it becomes the beginning of your life. Being a Christian doesn't mean that we just simply leave this world and we just go off and to heaven and that's it. It doesn't mean that we can treat this place however we want and just leave. You see, if you believe that, then your theology is wrong. Being a Christian means that it's not about going up to heaven, it's about bringing heaven down here. It means that we believe in a God that loves people and will one day rid the world of hunger and of pain and of every injustice. 
that we believe in a God that, that doesn't separate families but brings them together, that doesn't divide people but brings unity, and that he doesn't hate but he loves. And that means that what we do today has eternal impact. That every conversation that we have, every person that you meet, every piece of trash that you pick up, every single thing, no matter how insignificant it may be, has impact. Because God is looking for you. He is working in your life. He has every strand put together, and he is able to work even the smallest, most insignificant things for, your, for his glory and for your good. You see, if you believe in the resurrection, then the beginning of your life, it starts today. And so now, brothers and sisters, the question is directed towards you. Do you believe that Jesus died and rose again? Do you believe that the hardships in your life have a future purpose? Do you believe in the resurrection? Look, for a lot of us, I think for a lot of us, we don't know exactly why we're here, sitting and listening. But God knows that he brought you here for a reason. In John 15, it says, look, You thought that you were choosing me, but I had chosen you already. God has something special in store for you. But the question is, are you going to choose him? He has been orchestrating your life up to this point. And so brothers and sisters, if you have not accepted him yet, if you are still on the fence about him, if you are still not able to commit, look into your heart right now and decide. Give your life to the Lord and believe in the resurrection. Let's pray.